This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 480, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Suburbs, and then driving back.
back. Hello, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 480. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and sitting in with me this week for a vacationing Josh Flanagan is Paul Montgomery. I'm back, fools. Paul is from Panels.net. <laughs> He's from the Old Comics Podcast, and it says here, Paul, yeah. in your bio, that you also used to host this show. It's true. Is that true? That is true for, for what, like a year or something, or two years? I don't know what it was, but it was it was a good old time. What do you have it have a do time? Me and you and Joshua. Good, good, good time. to have you back. It's good to be back. I was excited when uh, I found out that Josh would be away, and we all get not, the, not that Josh happens. would be away, but that, uh, that, all, that you needed you needed a, a tag in. So <laughs> I'm happy. It's my honor and pleasure to be here to talk about comic books. He's currently cowering from the sun. <laughs> I saw a picture of Josh somewhere where there's there's like crystal clear waters, and I was like, that's that is not nat- that's not Josh's natural habitat at all. But you couldn't see Josh because the light was bouncing off his skin and, and it <laughs> was absorbing into the camera. We are a fanboy. We like comics and we can read a bunch of comics. One of us picks their favorite book. We call that the pick of the week. We'll talk about that book, other books, talk about some other stuff. We'll read some listener mail. It'll all be a fun time. And here's your spoiler warning. This is a review show, so there'll be some spoilers. So exercise your caution. This week, I had the pick of the week, Paul. Yeah. And uh, I remember when you were on the show... Josh and I used to blabber on about Astro City all the time, and yes. you, you didn't uh, quite love it as much as we did, but uh, Astro City 22 was the pick of the week, and this was really interesting for a number of re- reasons. I really ha- I'm curious as to where Kurt Busick's head is right now, mm. because the f- previous arc to this was all about superheroes who were over the hill and coming to terms with being too old for the job. And it's like that that first teaser trailer for The Incredibles when he can't fit his, uh, right. his costume on. And, and in this issue, it's a one-shot all about a retired hero and how tough it is for him to adjust. Uh, not tough, but just his life after being a superhero. Mm-hmm. And it's just back, coming back to back, you're just like, what? what is... What is Kurt Busiek worried about <laughs> right? right now? This is, is a cry for help or something? Yeah. Or, but, well, I mean, I'm here I, to say, Kurt, you can still do it. I didn't read the the previous arc, but I read this because you made it the pick of the week, and I was like, yeah, I'd like to read an issue of Astro City, and so I checked it out, and this was excellent. Uh, so I completely understand why it was the pick of the week, especially compared with other books this week. But yeah, well, yeah. one of those rare, rare times excellent. where uh, there was a fill-in artist in, in Astro City. It's usually Brent Anderson. There's been mm-hmm. a couple here and there. This was Jesus Marino, mm-hmm. who uh, did a really fine job of filling in. This is really nice. The art it still was really fantastic. felt like Astro City. It did. In fact, even though I knew it was a fill-in artist, about about halfway through the issue, I was so absorbed in what was going on that I sort of forgot that it was a fill-in artist because it really did feel like Astro City. Um, and it's just it totally works as something like if if you hadn't read previous issues of of this new generation of Astro City, you can totally just grab this. It's like an episode of the Twilight Zone, but instead of it being bad stuff, it's kind of kind of pleasant. Yeah. Kind of a, a nice stop off and about a, a guy who finds contentment in retirement, basically. Yeah, so this is about the character called Starfighter who I'm trying to find his analog. There's not really a direct analog in Marvel or DC. He's kind of Nova ish. He's kind of Nova ish. He's kind of Dial H for hero. Yeah. But uh, so he's retired. He's a, so we, we meet this character in the beginning. He's got, he's got bitchin' facial hair, which is how you kind of know it's still in the. 
yeah. in the Astro City universe because he's got sort of uh, 70s style. Straight out of a Sam Peckinpah movie. <laughs> he's got, and he's doing a book tour. He's a, he's, an, he's a writer. And then when the tour is over, he goes, he flies away from the store. He's buying, uh, I guess he's buying, oh, he's checking out of the hotel. That's why he's got a bag. Right. Well, and, he, he brought back stuff for the kids. Right, and he's fl- he flies away and goes through a portal, ends up in this fantasy world. And it's also kind of like, um, what was that character that looked exactly like Green Arrow in the in the 80s DC Universe? Warlord. Kind of like that, Oh, too. Warlord, okay. I thought it was going to be like Dreadstar. But they're all sort of similar like that. He goes off into this other dimension where he lives with his family, who are all from that dimension. And uh, he, met, he met his wife when he was being a superhero called Starfighter, who had this sort of cosmic power, and he... He used like runes or spells to access his abilities that he, he drew in the sky, which I really liked that effect. Yeah, he just traces it you know, like a, I don't know, kind of like a Star of David or something. Right. But like he first saw them when he was in service in Vietnam. He was over there, over there in Nam before he had the mustache. And I like that. No, does I, I really like that. There's a temple here. No like, and and everybody's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and, and then he slowly realizes, like, no, nobody else can see that because it's a cosmic temple. It's like a Morrison temple. It happens all the time. It's like seeing chrome tigers and stuff. And, yeah, and uh, it, it takes him to this other world. But he can also use it, you know, sort of like Green Lantern style to, like, form different powers. Like, he, he does one st- sort of stencil in the air and it creates, like, a stealth thing mm-hmm. over him so that you know his enemies can't see him right that kind of thing i like this first of all as a one shot uh, there's a lot of story in here mm-hmm. you really got a great sense of this character who i really liked a lot and i would be totally happy to see him again to the point that i wondered having not read the first run of astro city if this was a character that was returning so i don't, so recall, this, I don't recall ever okay. seeing him before um great character I, but it, it was filled with a lot of in, you basically this was a, a overview of a career, but not. It didn't feel like we were just going through. And then I did this, and then I did this, and then I did, it was very organically told. I really liked the bit about the sidekick character. Yeah. Who uh, he brought along. He tried to train a kid to take over for him, but he was kind of like Jason Todd. He was a hothead. He didn't. Sh- he uh, was too brutal. So he, uh, he Starfighter used a rune to make the kid forget. He's a tanadum. Yeah. Well, he didn't. He didn't forget. He was a. Well, so yeah. he just forgot how to make the runes. But it's still kind of sad and oh, weird. Oh, totally. Because like, you see him, he's now he makes his living at, a con- at conventions, signing autographs. He's, he's overweight. He's got a really bad goatee. And it's like, I was Quark, partner of Starfighter, mm-hmm. and selling his autograph and being a drunk and you know yelling how he's and then he's yeah in an alleyway and he's like stumbling through and he's trying to do the stencil and you see it's like this this crappy you know shape yeah. in the air and you know and it's and it's just not working for him. But I, I just thought as a really as a one shot story, this told a really great tale of a great character, and there's highs and lows. There's a n- nice romance with his wife, and and I just thought this guy was really sort of a cool guy, mm-hmm. just having a beer in his tropical dimensional world with dragons flying around, and yeah, he had a really he had a really great look, like a really interesting superhero like power set. As as we mentioned, like it's 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 not an easy elevator pitch, and he's not, and it's not like he's you know just a straight up analog of Green Lantern or Superman, which is it would normally be um, when you're just like, okay, I need a superhero in here who's kind of like you know a generic version of this, and to tell this this other story. Actually, you know what? Now that I look at it, he might be a Starman analog because I mean, kind of. I mean, because not just this giant star, but like. He he starts off in sort of the traditional costume, but by the end he's wearing like a trench coat 
and regular clothes, and he sort of goes off to have a family life, just like the way that Starman ended. Yeah, I mean, I get like there's it's elements. There if you I think want there's it. elements of that in there. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just thought this was super great, and this was another one of those times where you see how Kurt Busiek is is one of those masters of the form, and he mm-hmm. can tell a really great one shot story. He can tell a really great six part story. He can tell a really great uh, miniseries. He can do anything you want, and. Uh, this was a great artist pairing too, mm-hmm. and I think it's um, you know being able to decide is this a two issue story, is this a one issue story, is this you know a six issue arc, whatever. That's a that's a skill that not every creative team has, and we'll be talking about that a little bit more in the episode to right. so get into the convergence stuff. But yeah, this is just a really satisfying one shot, um, and it does make me want to come back and read well, next month. Did you see the the cover and the log line for next month's issue? It's a gorilla dude, right? He's new in town, and he's a talking gorilla. <laughs> Everybody say hi, and it's a gorilla taking a selfie with the Empire State Building-esque uh, building in the back. So I feel like that's right up your alley, Paul. Oh, yeah, sign me up. I'm into that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what can I write that would specifically be for Paul Montgomery? Yeah, we'll continue reading this book. Absolutely. <laughs> so we've talked about Astro City a lot. This is an issue, Astro City 22, that you can totally pick up and get a f- sense of the feel of the story. Mm-hmm. And totally get a really satisfying tale. Or if you're someone who's read it in the past but may not be reading the current series, this is enough. You should pick this one up and check it out. This is what Astro City does well, and just tell a really human story behind the backdrop of superheroes. This is a really nice heart too. Yes, it's, a, it's just a great Busiek heart too. Like when we say like retired superhero, you, you think not, of like you know Frank Miller stories, and no. no, this is just really it's a warm story. I liked it. I, I felt really good afterwards. Like he just sits back mm-hmm. in the tent. He has a beer and he's watching his kids play, and he just he it's just he's enjoying the day. And that was mm-hmm. really, especially in contrast to the last story, which was about the darker side of being retired, mm-hmm. which is you know the, the always missing what you were and. So maybe that's what it is. It's, you know, it's variations on a theme that BCX's doing lately, I guess. <laughs> Don't then, retire, Kurt. Well, he's going into gorillas next, so that's, I guess that's more lighthearted. So the Astro City 22 was the pick of the week. Um, I really loved it. I'm, ha- I'm happy that, that overall this series has been, has been really strong. Um, but another issue I really loved was Jupiter's Circle number one, which is the new miniseries, I guess, from... Mark Miller, this was uh, the... Oh, this is the sequel to Jupiter's Legacy. Jupiter's Legacy. Okay, so, I, didn't, I missed this, so... Jupiter's Legacy uh, was... You read that whole thing through, did you? I did, yeah. Yeah, and that, that was with Frank Quietly, and it was about uh, legacy, right? So super, old superheroes from the 40s and 50s, you know, retiring, or being, and, their, and now their kids had powers and all the trouble that caused. So this, Jupiter's Circle, goes back in time to the 50s. Ooh. It's a prequel. To the and so we meet we we are spending time with all the original heroes, and the original series artist Frank Quitely only does the cover. Wilfredo Torres does the interiors, and it's a really great throwback style that that looks like a '50s sci-fi comic. Mm. And uh, so that works perfectly in a story that's basically mostly about uh, what it's like to be a closeted gay superhero in the '50s. Interesting. So one of the original heroes is gay, but he but his public appearance or public face is is that he's you know, it's, it's 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 no it's no mistake. This takes place in L.A. because that was what was going on in Hollywood, right? So it's like to everyone else, you're Blue Bolt, the the square jawed, you know, like Rock Superman, Hudson kind of Rock Hudson superhero. But then in your private life, you're constantly in fear because you are gay and you're you're having liaisons. You're going to parties at Catherine Hepburn's house, mm. hanging, hanging out with uh, 
all the other gay closeted actors, which all make appearances in here. And, uh, and then the, pro the other problem is that the FBI has been trying to sign your team up to be official government agents. And now J. Edgar Hoover has pictures of you with a man, so he's going to try to blackmail you into becoming government agents. This was really, really great. And it continues Mark Miller's creative resurgence. In my you opinion. sold that really well. I want to go out and read that now. Well, if you like, I mean, this is, you, you will really like this, Paul. This is, cool. uh, I mean, it's, it's on the nose, but in a, in a good way, because this is what people went through. And, and it was really funny. There's a scene where he's at a party at Catherine Hepburn's house. And uh, it is, yeah, Catherine Hepburn's house. And they're talking about how the irony of half the couples in Hollywood being in, in the closet, but they're selling mm -hmm. the hetero ideal to mainstream America through their movies. Right. And uh, it was just really interesting because, you know, he, he says at one point, it doesn't matter how many lives I save or how many times I save the world. If, if someone finds out I like to kiss men, then it's, everything's going to go away. And it's, it was a hard thing to deal with. And it's still hard now. and It was even worse then. But mm -hmm. Sounds like something like even if you didn't read Jupiter's Legacy, you could, oh, you could 100%. still get a hold. Yeah. Because there's, there's no callback to the previous series. This is just a prequel. And everything you need to know is in it. In fact, it, it, it opens up and it tells you. you know, Because it starts off actually way in the future. Mm -hmm. with uh in like super future not just our future like the first miniseries like people wearing funny goggles and jumpsuits and they're at a museum that's showing all these costumes and and so some there's a little voiceover that sort of gives you the setup so if you've never read the first one you can totally just jump on this one cool yeah this i guess it just got lost in the big conversion shuffle oh, this did, week did it get lost <laughs> in, in all the millions of number ones from image comics yeah <laughs> That too, but this is one. This one is worthy of. Uh, but it's a, and it's a really smart choice to do like a, a prequel instead of moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, even though there's, st I th still think there's stuff you could do with a sequel, and maybe they'll come back and. I think do that's that. for sure. I really like the little world he created. Yeah. So this is interesting because Miles Morales: The Ultimate Spider-Man number twelve is ostensibly the final issue of Ultimate Spider-Man, and uh, I mean, like just, all of Ultimate Spider-Man. Right, of all of Ultimate Spider-Man, and this was. There's going to be a miniseries that wraps up the ultimate universe mm. but, at the end of this it says miles morales will next appear in secret wars right but then there's you know the next page is the ad for the the miniseries okay which is part of secret wars i i don't know okay <laughs> I, I don't know all right as a final issue for such a monumental book i thought this was i don't want to say a failure but it didn't feel like a final issue to something that's been 15 years well, it's hard. I mean, it's because it's it's. We mentioned it last month, Josh and I, that right. a lot of balls in the air for them to have to lead into the final issue. And I realize Miles is, isn't going anywhere, but the book is going somewhere, and this yeah, universe is and, going somewhere, and it's rough in that sense. But then the other thing I, I was because I was thinking about it going through this, I was like, this. I mean, it's kind of a regular adventure, you know. And I mean, it's got Miles' dad, and it's got Ganky in it, and you know, it's got the Ultimates. So I mean, it's sort of a crazy team up. But like, the Ultimate Universe isn't what it once was. Mm -hmm. So you kind of can't have all of those characters all teamed up. And the other thing is, how many different milestone issues of you know Ultimate Spider-Man right. have there been where it's like a big jam issue, or you know, it's so like how many. How many more tricks are there, like right. you know, up the sleeve to to really give them a big, give the universe a big send off? Because it's also it's not just the end of Ultimate Spider-Man; it's like the end of the Ultimate. Well, universe. so if you, I assume you're scrolling like I am. If you scroll past the letters column, right next month, grand opening, grand closing, Ultimate End number one, and it's Spider-Man with the Ultimates, and it's all drawn by David Marquez, and looks freaking awesome. 
So so good. I assume that will be the wrap up for the for the for the. Uh, yeah, but, but even for, like, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like, for the series proper, you know, like, just a regular issue, like, it still feels like not a lot of pomp and circumstance. Yeah, so, so if you recall yeah, last month, he was Doctor Doom. captured by Hydra and Dr. Doom because his girlfriend, Kate Bishop's, Kate Bishop's family is Hydra, and they also kidnapped his father and some other people, and so in this issue, he breaks free, and he gets some help from Cloak and Dagger and from uh, that chick whose name I can never remember, the Boom, the... The Gilmore Girls analogs. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> I can't think of the name either. And then the kid from school who figures out he's Spider-Man and realizes he's been missing. Judge. Yeah, and then Kitty Pride too, right? Kitty Pride, right? This was fun, and then there's a there's a fun little cameo from Jonathan Hickman, which was a callback to something that Ben has been doing powers all the time, having uh, some creator in the background being arrested. This was, was Bendis in the squad room. It's like Bendis and David Marquez shaking hands. I'm assuming that, yeah, I'm assuming that's what it was. And then uh, Jonathan Hickman in a cosmic man suit saying, it's all my fault. <laughs> um, I mean, it was fun. It was a good issue. It just felt like, oh, so it's over and that was the end. Well, I guess it, it just goes to show that uh, Miles is up for bigger and better things right. in his future. Like the ultimate universe is sort of, it's winded down. It's, he's He's the star of it. And I mean... You still have Kitty and, you know, the other characters that you mentioned, but we can barely remember their names. And <laughs> there's already a Kitty in the 616, right. and it's not so different from Ultimate Kitty. So it's, you know, it's, it's time. Yeah. I just, for 15 years, this is one of the best books out there. And I would, I would probably put it in the top 10 most important books of the last dec, you know, decade and a half. Sure. Uh, so as a final issue, it was weird. But as a, just a regular issue, it was, it was really good. Mm-hmm. As it's all been. So uh, I guess we'll see what happens next with Miles. And uh, I'm really curious to see how this all shakes out. But we'll talk about that when that when it happens. Yeah. Rebels number one. Do you know what this is? Yeah, I read this. Oh, good. good. Uh, Josh was getting ready to leave for, for the sun planet or wherever he went. <laughs> and he sent me an email that said, don't sleep on Rebels number one. Because I, I haven't been reading any Dark Horse books lately. I just they, mm. Whatever they've been putting out, it really hasn't been interesting to me. Yeah. But this is a Dark Horse comic. And he, I think he knew I wouldn't wouldn't see it so he sent me a uh, reminder and it was a it's a brian woods book about the american revolution and i thought oh because it felt very much kind of like vikings in that it's a straight up historical tale there's no superheroes there's no hidden sci-fi element there's not any monsters it's just a straight up yeah. The only thing story. at the beginning, it it says like it ex- it describes the world of the the Revolutionary War, and then it says no, it's not 2015. This is 1775 or whatever. Right. And so like there's a so I was like okay, so there's going to be a little bit of like social commentary here mm-hmm. about the modern day, but uh, but otherwise, yeah, it's pretty much like a like a Northlanders kind of book, and it's um, uh, Andrea Muti on, uh, on interior art, and then Tula Lote on the uh, cover if I've got that name right but it's I, I, I was struck by the cover and I think I saw an ad for it on like the Diamond Previews webpage mm-hmm. so whatever they spent on that it at least got it one guy reading it so they it got the 399 or so, yeah. whatever it cost um, yeah it's, it's kind of funny that Josh isn't here because the entire book takes place in New Hampshire. Yeah, that's the thing. I was um, like, I was like, man, Josh is going to be here for this, but it, it's really good. Um, which It takes place in the disputed territory between New Hampshire and New York, which would eventually become Vermont. Hmm. Uh, so there's this, there's this land there that has been given to New York, but it's part of New Hampshire. And so the people who live there consider themselves from New Hampshire, and they're like, no, we don't want to leave. And 
the Redcoats have been dispatched to make them leave. But they, that's what, and then so there's been lots of shooting. And it's not the kind of tale where it's like, oh, there's Ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson and it's happening in Philadelphia and Boston right. and New York. This is out in the hinterlands of the United States at the time. And uh, There's one big cameo there is Ethan Allen, isn't Sure. It? And who doesn't love an Ethan Allen cameo? Certainly, yeah. But uh, I really like this a lot. And I hope that they hope that this is going to be like another Northlanders that goes for like six trades worth of stories. Because I could, I could be is fine. Is this a mini? I think this is a mini series. I'm sure it is. Yeah, I think I saw like one of six or something on there somewhere. But maybe, you know... Rebels Two or something like. Hey, you know? uh, I'm I'm just shocked this exists. You know, the other cool thing about it, like I, I was like I thought it was one thing like I thought it was going to be about this kid and his dad and sort of like uh like the it reminded me of the Mel Gibson Patriot movie right because uh, uh, he's uh, like Keith teaching Ledger. yeah to teach the the kid how to shoot and everything and uh, the kid from Everwood and uh, who didn't go on to be in Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> um, and it. And then, like, there's, like, a throwaway line. It was like, Dad would be dead within a year or something like that. So I was like, oh, okay. It's not about a dad and a son. It's about something else. And um, But and also, like, throwing in a little bit of, like, autobiographical stuff because there's that, like, stammer in there. And, right. and Brian Wood has that that stammer. and There's and, um, something like, in the front page <clears throat> about it being a mini or being a one of six. I thought it was some – I don't know. It could have been maybe solicited I'm, that way. Maybe I'm mixing it up with something else. But um, I My thought hope is it goes on for a long time because I, I really like that this book exists. And they got, they got a lot of mileage out of Northlanders. Granted, it's sort of more in this wheelhouse. I, I mean, given the given the pitch of what Northlanders is, that 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 did go on for a surprisingly long time, and <laughs> had a lot of fun, you know, going into different kinds of stories and you know moving well, around. I love was... redcoats getting mowed down by muskets. Certainly. Oh wait so. a minute. Here we go. Well, a real, a well-regulated militia is the title of the first arc. This is part one of six. Okay, so it's going to be a series of minis then probably hopefully hopefully, hopefully. cool so yeah so uh Jordy Blair book. colors that she does for Jordy. all comics really 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 good looking book yeah if you're into the if you i mean if you're into history at all this or you know non-traditional non-superhero comics this was really great mm-hmm. and uh the art's wonderful the story's really interesting i mean this is not a part of history i'm well acquainted with i didn't really know about this part of new hampshire it's called the new hampshire grants i think and uh, I didn't, so I had to look it up afterwards because I was really curious about it. So yeah, I'm more of a world history guy, but this uh, this was like in my blind spot. But you know, it's fun. So that was Rebels number one. Now, Nameless number three. Are okay. you reading this? Uh, I, I figured this is something that would probably be safer to read in a collection because <laughs> it would be crazy stuff. Damn it, Paul! Because I'm looking for someone to explain to me what's going oh, on. Oh no, <laughs> that's not gonna happen. This book's weird, dude. It's. Yeah. Uh, it's cool. It's about. I, I it's, flipped through the first one. I was like, "Nope, uh, this is probably not a single issue kind of book." This is. It's it's really interesting. It's a it's about the confluence of well, not about, but it features heavily the confluence of science and magic. So there's this asteroid hurtling towards Earth, and uh, you know there's the normal you know Armageddon scenario where a bunch of guys are going up there to blow it up, or at least blow okay. it off course. But then they discover there's a rune on the asteroid, so they call upon these guy nameless who's a magician to help them and so there's a lot of stuff about magic versus science and technology but this issue went off the weird deep end <laughs> in fact the final page was so disturbing sorry yeah the disturbing final page. okay oh, yeah super disturbing that i don't even know where this book's gonna go next so 
I feel like he may have had the pages laced in LSD so that when I was holding it, <laughs> it started absorbing into my skin and now I'm just seeing things. But uh, it's a super disturbing final page. Um, can you spoil? It's we have we have a spoiler warning. You can. Well, say you haven't read it, but one of the, the main the main character is I'll forget trussed by up by these aliens or whatever, and he's got no arms and no legs, and his penis is hacked off, and there's tentacles coming in and out of his various holes and appendages. That that doesn't sound pleasant. No, it's not. In fact, I just closed no. the issue because I don't want to look at it anymore. It caused you pain. It's <laughs> weird. It's a it's good, and and Burnham Chris Burnham on art is wonderful. You know, they, they make a great pair. Um. It's just a really, really disturbing and strange. I, up, I read, you know, one and two are really fun, sort of science adventure. We got to go stop this asteroid. And then it just takes a really strange and dark turn with issue three. It gets into more of the, I don't know, supernatural stuff, the magic stuff. Or, no pulse. Like, I, I, I have it seared in my brain now, the image of him <laughs> and with his mouth pried open. And, <sighs> Jesus. All right. Let's talk about something more pleasant, please. Spider Woman number six. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe. I believe I added Spider-Woman number one to the list while it was still regular on the show, and I was kind of disappointed with it because it was all in the Spider-Verse stuff. Right, yes. And I think by that time we'd already seen pictures of what Spider-Woman's new costume was going to look like, and it had a very different direction than what that was. So I said, let's... It was Greg Land at that point, wasn't it? uh, Maybe. It was was like, it was, I mean, of that that tone but but uh i was like okay people i've you know i've been talking to have been saying good things about a lot of the this like the spider women books so like spider woman silk and spider gwen a lot of people have been digging so i was like it's okay time to to check those out so check out spider woman and this is like in the vein of uh superior foes of spider-man all those all those like sort of funny um street level books that i think came out of uh fraction and aja's hawkeye yeah so I think Superior Foes was like the first of those to to feel like okay now this is a this is a theme of now. Secret Avengers. Um, I would I would count like She Hulk in there yeah. too, uh, and and also and actually um, Spider Woman is a private investigator right down the hall from She Hulk's office. So oh, it's very much in the in the in the family of of those books and the the premise right now. Um, it's I guess it start it started earlier than this than this issue. Um, a bunch of like I wouldn't even say like okay if if the superior foes were like C list villains yeah these are like G list oh, wow. villains like like porcupine <laughs> and um oh, what was the other one uh senior uh senior suerte who's like Mr Luck. You're making he has like a up. he has a roulette thing on his chest, <laughs> so like he has to he has to start off the roulette wheel and it has to finish before his like fists charge up with electricity. Okay, so he's that like, makes, I'm that totally he's makes like, sense. And I'm going to get practical. you right now. Yeah, and he like hits the thing and like yeah, and so there's like all these really like vil- like the kangaroo like ridiculous villains. All of their significant others have been abducted, kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And Spider Woman's responsible for trying to track them down, even though they're villains. She's a private investigator, and she's going to take on that role because presumably a lot of these like wives and girlfriends are not guilty of anything. They're just right. they just have horrible taste in you know and boyfriends. So like you're going out with the kangaroo or the porcupine, which on a number of levels is horrible. Yeah. So it's just it's like if you're going to go out with a villain, like aim a little higher. Like you know, right? Exactly. I, I don't know. Shocker. Shocker. Yeah. That's at, that's at least a rung up. Doctor Doom. 
but it's you know it's 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 fun it's dennis hopeless and javier uh rodriguez mm-hmm. at this point so again it's it's this, you're taking the artist from she hulk and now it's that same kind of vibe it just feels like that that family of of books and the first uh, issue you read or was it this is the first issue I read since number one. Which I know, was I know in issue five this team was on it. I don't know how many issues they've done, though. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. So I just I was like, I jumped in because I, was, I knew we were going to do the show. So like, let's try something different. So I checked that out, and, and I was glad I did. Um, Sp- Spider-Woman, Jessica, has, has always been sort of a, a fun character. She's kind of, she kind of has, like, bad luck in life. Right. So it fits into that superior foes and, and like, hawk guy vibe of... <laughs> sort of like sweet and low down kind of stories so it's, it's okay. interesting that they keep this corner of the DC, uh, the marvel universe alive because it doesn't really light up the sales charts yeah but none, of the, none of those books are ever really super popular but they they seem to like it because they keep putting more of them out in this very in this this style the storytelling yeah i don't know it's like maybe it's just like they can they can sneak them in there you know and i don't i i haven't been paying attention to like who all the editors of all of those are mm-hmm. like if there's just a shared sensibility or something but um, as I guess, as long as they're making a whole bunch of money on you know, you know, like Secret Wars stuff, they can sneak in these things here and there. Right. And you know, they'll eventually get canceled, but they start up another one with a you know, it's and give another character a, a chance to shine. So well, that's fine. I think if you liked all those all those books, this is you know that same kind of vibe. And, and we liked uh, Hopeless on you know Avengers Arena and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's and good. So, so he's, uh, he's doing good stuff. So I'm I'm glad that it, it got away from the Spider-Verse stuff and came into its own. Well, if you like this kind of book, there's the Superior Foes, there's Secret Avengers, there's Hawkeye, there's She-Hulk. They got, they got collections of all those. You can check them out at ifanboy.com slash Amazon. That's where you find the portal Amazon that helps us out, gives us this little piece of the sale, comes out of Amazon's pocket, and helps us keep the lights on. That's how you can really, really help the show by making your everyday purchases, you're probably making them at Amazon anyway. You might as well help us out while you're doing it. Also, ifanboy.com slash registration. That's where you can help us out directly with $3 a month or $30 a year. You can become an iFanboy member. You can also make a straight-up donation there. And so if you're, as Josh and I said, if you are a crazy billionaire and or a millionaire, you can always go there. And we'll take anything, really. If you want to donate kroners or uh, doubloons, we will also help you out. By, you know, you'd, be, you'd be like Magwitch from The Great Expectations and just be a great mysterious benefactor. Exactly. There you go. We don't know. In fact, I know someone who got a mysterious benefit unrelated to comics who had something sent to them and don't know who it was, but they were very appreciative of it. You can do that all through fanboy.com slash registration. So we thank everyone who does that. They're the ones who keep the show going. We appreciate it very much. So this week, Paul. Yeah. Uh, DC goes deep into convergence, and what convergence is is the storytelling device that allows DC to move <laughs> editorial offices from New York to Burbank. So on the side, they've been putting together this event called Convergence, and that's all I'm prepared. That's all I'm confident in saying because I'm not sure I really understand what's going on um, here. So yet, last week we had Convergence number zero, and I, I said that I felt like I was drunk when I was reading it because I didn't understand. It was very confusing, and I didn't understand what was happening. It's a lot of lore. It's and a then, lot of setup. For what? So this is this week we get issue number one plus the ten tie-in issues. And so while this is happening, there ain't no more DC books. This is all that's coming out. Yeah. So for the month of April and May, there's going to be forty issues. There's ten, ten a week uh, for the first month. Issue one's then ten a week. Issue two next month, and then we'll be back to normal. So um, this is happening. I don't. I don't. You. 
You tell me, Paul, what you think. What is what the, log, what is the log line for this event? What's How the log you, line for this? What's the elevator pitch? What is the what 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 is this event about? This event is a combination. You know, I like my it's like this crossed with this right. kind of pitches. Mm-hmm. It's 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 Stephen King's Under the Dome, yes. crossed with Hunger Games. Okay, well, I was definitely going to bring up the Under the Dome comparison later, but... That's straight up, Under the the Dome. In the the Zero Issue, Superman runs into Brainiac, and Brainiac has all these dome cities from all these dimensions, and in this issue, they got to fight, but it's all all pre-Flashpoint and... Right. And what's the other universe? Pre-Flashpoint and something else. Okay, you have... This week is like Gotham week, apparently. Yeah, they're all Gotham City. So it's so it's you have one, two, three, four, five different Gotham's. One is pre-Flashpoint Gotham City. One is El Inferno, which we only see in one book. It's like Old West. Gotham. Old West, yeah. And then Flashpoint Gotham City. All right. And then New York City Angor, which is which is like a Marvel universe in the '90s, sort of. Yeah. You get the extremists. So there's like sort of vague analogs of Marvel villains, like there's a Doctor Octopus guy. Apparently, yeah, Hollywood, California. So the Zoo Crew, so Captain Carrot and the Zoo Crew, um, which is the fun part. Not a whole lot of um, mixing and mashing alternate worlds. Like I said, El Inferno. There's only one part at the beginning of the Oracle and Nightwing book, right? And and then you've got the Thanagarians in there. So there's an evil Hawk Girl and Hawkman. When this was first announced. I thought, okay, this could be fun. We could. They basically said they were going to take all these different characters, and they showed us some promo art of all these different old school characters. Sure. And I thought, okay, this will be fun in like a contest of champions kind of way. Like we'll just dump a bunch of characters together, and watch them bounce off each other, and that'll be fun. So I got. I read all the issues this week. Right. Instead, we got an episode of Under the Dome in each issue. Yeah. In which, so apparently, these domes appeared over these cities. And they've, a they've year ago. A year ago, and so they've been living for a year. So what we got was a bunch of dramas about people living in a domed city for a year, and I just don't care. I don't care about that at all. There's some, like, and some of them use it well, and some of them it kind of gets in the way of the, the character stories that they're, they're trying to tell. Like, I think, yeah, we're going to jump around a bit. I think the... Um, the Batgirls issue. Well, really quick, which I was, before we get into that, yeah, let's just, that, I'm going to list them off just so everyone knows okay, sure. ahead of time. So we Convergence number one. We Convergence Adam number one. Convergence Batgirl number one. Convergence Batman and Robin number one. Convergence Harley Quinn number one. Convergence Justice League number one. Convergence Nightwing and Oracle number one. Convergence The Question number one. Convergence Speed Force number one. Convergence Superman number one. Convergence The Titans number one. Right. Okay, continue. Good dedication listing Convergence before. I'm now going to pass that. Okay. Um, it's like Marvel's The Avengers all yes. over again. All right. So uh, the Batgirls one I was really looking forward to because I like Stephanie Brown. I read that one first, and it was so yes. lame. It was, it was what? It was lame? Lame. Yeah. It was um, – there's cool character stuff with, like, Stephanie and, and Cassandra Kane living together. But then all the dome stuff gets in the way. And, like, Catman's in it for no reason whatsoever. Well, he's, he's the champion of the other city, isn't he? He's the champion of the other city. But, like, it just gets in the way. Like, if you only have two issues to tell the story, it's – Well, it, I think that, and that's the problem. That. What is the story you're telling? Right. You're either telling this under the dome story of, of these people trapped under this dome or you're telling the fight story of the contest of champion – you know, your champion versus my champion and fight. Mm-hmm. You tell one or the other, but by telling partially both in in the one issue they've got, plus the, the next one, 
it, it muddles. I don't know what I'm reading here. Why? Why am I? Why am I reading this dome story? Because it's not going to continue. It's over next month. There's, yeah, um, it's not like a thing that's going to happen anymore. Of all of these, so there's ten issues this week. Of all of these, there's like there's two that I that I really liked, but I'd only give them like like four stars. Yes, and then the others are pretty middling, so they'd be like like two stars. Two I would give three to four stars to one, two, three of them, and the okay. rest would be two or one stars. Okay, let me guess if what you the, can guess which three I like. Okay, well I'll say that the okay, well the three I liked, which should probably match up with you. Okay. The question. Okay. And I like the Superman one. Yes. And there's a third one in there. Uh is it Harley by any chance? No, it was Justice no? League, strangely. Just re, Justice League. Okay, I really didn't like Justice League. I thought that was fun. I liked the characters. That one felt like it was mostly under the dumb stuff, but I liked the characterization. I thought it was funny. Um, I really liked Superman. Superman is good, and Superman is the probably the best looking one. On, well, a number of reasons. First of all, Lee Weeks. Uh, the other problem with the series is because it's being produced on the side. You don't really have any of the normal creative teams, and or create creators that, that really work on books. So, you remember this happening before with an event? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Flashpoint. So um, it's tough. You don't have a lot of high high level creators working this book. Superman, on the other hand, is drawn by Lee Weeks. Lee Weeks, one of my all-time favorite artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, it was Dan Jurgens and Lee Weeks, right? And Jen, look, Dan Jurgens can write a Superman story. It may mm-hmm. be older style, but he can write it. He knows those characters, and between him and Lee Weeks, I thought Superman was really great. Plus, it just it just it just harkened back to what the problems were with the current Superman. Right. You know, it just made made, made very clear, like, oh, in comparison. This new Superman sucks. I liked that two of your favorites, so Superman and Justice League, involve people getting so bored under the dome that they get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> right? So well, what else Su- are you going to do? Superman and Lois, and, the, and, then, um, and then Jesse Quick is going into labor at the beginning of Justice League. Right. Um, looking very glamorous, might I add, <laughs> going into labor. I thought that was really interesting. Line, just to get back to Superman for a second, there's a really interesting yeah. line when he gets... So, so the whole point of the dome is that it also takes away everybody's powers. So until the dome is lifted, which it happens in the middle of all these stories, all these superheroes are powerless. And so Clark's been out fighting crime just in a black costume because yeah. he can't not. But in the middle of the fight, he gets his powers back. He, you know, he reveals himself to be Superman with the, with the underwear on the outside and the cape and, and uh, saves the day. And then he goes home to Lois and she says, my Superman has returned. And I thought that was a very interesting line to use mm. because uh, comparatively... You know, you don't see this guy ever anymore. So it was nice to see it was nice to see him and Lois and all that stuff. And that the you know, the traditional Superman costume that we miss so much and not the high collared thing because it's it's pre New Fifty Two Superman. Right. So and then he fights uh, Shazam from Flashpoint. I actually I thought this one did a good job of what you thought it would be, which was the two worlds mashing up together. So in this one, the Justice League from Flashpoint, which includes Thomas Wayne, Batman, and Cyborg, and Shazam, and Abin Sir, plus the creepy, skinny Superman from that world. Yeah, you know, end up going up against Superman. I thought this was real. I thought genuinely this was a good issue. I th- I think so too. I think it was, I think it was really strong. I think um, the question was good, though not as good as I was hoping it to be, because a lot again a lot of it was just angst over living under under the dome. Yeah, I think it's. I think I think 
And that was that Greg comes Brooker in, writing, writing the question with... with uh, right with Coley Hamner on art. And uh, the last we saw that was the, the backups on Detective Comics right. when um, he was writing uh, Batwoman. The th- I think the thing with the question issue is that, like, because it, these are characters and, and like, it's, it's, uh, it's Renee, Question, and Two-Face, mm-hmm. and they have such a storied history mm-hmm. from a bunch of different events uh, and, and over a long period of time, and you really associate those creators with them. Because we're seeing a lot of returns of, of like, fan-favorite characters, right. but they're not necessarily written... Or drawn the by the teams were. that we know for like like with Batgirl like that was the that, big problem with Batgirl. It didn't. That's like not Batgirl. Brian Q. Miller. Yeah. And yeah. And um, so with with the question, I think it's like if we want to return to the question Two Face story, rather it just be a question Two Face story and not something stuck in this weird under the dome status quo. Yeah. It sort of like sours it. But I think for I think he does a really good job of telling an interesting story about those two characters under the dome. So with the, the I love rugged he has, bearded Two Face, but only we put yeah, on one side because his face his, his face grow. doesn't it doesn't grow. And then um, that it's sort of like a um, really interesting also character study of Two Face and like how he would deal with that. Right. There's there's some interesting stuff that they touch on. Again, a lot of it gets lost in all the different things they're trying to cram into a two issue story. Mm-hmm. But there's a couple of these books like the Adam. Oh, I, I think the Adam was unreadable. Uh, well, I'm saying the interesting thing in the Adam is it talks about like sort of the um, like they, they have a cabin fever, like right, extreme yeah. cabin fever being stuck under the dome and, and a bunch of them go stir crazy. So like they touch on that in the Adam. They touch on that in, in Harley, which I th- Harley Quinn, which I think does some interesting stuff with it, right. um, where like Harley Quinn actually kind of gets better. Oh, I like. Uh, yeah, I did like that one. And it's more lucid, and she and she starts a relationship with a cop that they. It was sort of like a like a meet cute where she was trying to rob a hyena skull or something. And, and I like the Dick Spring Joker that would appear in her subconscious. That was fun. yeah. I like that bit, but God, overall, like you just triggered with the Adam because like the, I thought the Adam was unreadable. I thought Speed Force was no was unreadable. I didn't. I mean, I just. I didn't even Nightwing and Oracle. I was really looking forward to because that's like my all-time favorite comics romance, and I uh, I didn't even think that was that good. Um, I don't know. This is Batman and Robin. Didn't really like. It was yeah. A lot of them were just like really just middling stuff. Like I, I but I but I I think like I'll let's see. I'll stand up for Speed Force a little bit because not and not just because of the Zoo Crew thing, but they actually do do a good job. Of establishing, like the Superman issue, that there's two worlds that are going to be fighting, mm-hmm. and so you have Wally and the, of course, like that's and I forgot to mention when you when you talk about the Speed Force book, you got to talk about the fact that the kids are back. Well, that's why I couldn't read it, Paul. Everybody's been clamoring for the return of Wally West and like their Wally West, and here's the catch: the kids have to come with them. <laughs> so the, I, the creepy the creepy kids, yeah. um, who aren't that bad. Like I think one of the big annoying things about the kids from that run when they were introduced was like the way they were drawn sure. the fact that like the, the boy could get like all muscly and stuff and it was just like a really disturbing image so like that's downplayed here um but i was uh, hoping that a book called speed force wouldn't feature the whole flash family that's what i was expecting and not just the kids who are annoying and awful like looking at the names on like going down the list of what was coming out this week like speed force was like up 
like very high in terms of things I was looking forward to because I like the like the last time we saw the Speed Force and you have you know um, Jesse Quick and Jay and stuff and Max Mercury I hope, and Impulse Max Mercury and- right yeah and I and I and I hoped that we could you know get that but um that was that was not the case so it was, it's just Wally and the kids and then um, Fastback from the Zoo Crew which was I thought was funny because like they're in this two issue arc. They're, the champion that they're facing is is Wonder Woman from Flashpoint. So it's like this super fast anthropomorphic. Is he a turtle? I don't know what fastback yeah, is. I, don't know. Like I guess he's a turtle. Um, that's the irony, I guess. He looks. Fast. He actually looks like a like a like a Koopa or something from <laughs> the Mario games. But then like you have like scary Flashpoint Wonder Woman coming in and like super serious in this world of of like goats and other like animals wandering around. So like I thought like maybe issue two has some some promise like to at least be kind of funny in a you know the dissonance at least. I just feel like this entire event is another microcosm of DC's problems. Like it should have been really fun way to look to throw all these characters together that don't ever that's what we were that's what we were expecting yeah. but, it's, but instead it's this weird sort of angsty um it felt very 90 like it just it just even it just fell off tonally and it i don't have any desire to read any more of this do do we any more of it like any of them like well, even I just, like i'm so I'm soured like on the whole thing now like i'm going to okay read the next superman i'm going to read the doc shaner jeff parker shazam one certainly but uh I don't think I'm going to read them all next week. I don't know. I think I might be reading all of them. Just I I do miss the look of the characters and I wonder I'm never going to see them again. Yeah. I don't know. I think maybe I guess for like I think I'm going to check out all the all of the number 1 issues mm-hmm. from Convergence just to try them. Um but yeah, I think yeah, I guess I'll give a pass to a like I don't I don't want to read the Adam number 2. I don't yeah. want to read I don't even need Batgirl number two. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it didn't feel like Stephanie Brown. They didn't really do anything interesting with her and and Ra- or Tim and and Cass together. Yeah, she was moping the whole time. Right. I was just like, I don't, I don't want to read that. I'll just go read the old trades. I definitely don't want to read the mainline Convergence book. Yeah, I don't even. That's like because I read I read Convergence. I tried reading Convergence Zero and Convergence One, and I just I gave up halfway through. It was just so dry. And, and also, there was the same speech in every in every issue. That yeah. That so I'm not definitely not. Character gives to the dome people, and you're just like, okay, I can skip these three pages because I've read this four times already. Can we at least talk about Convergence Titans number one, okay. which continues the ridiculous saga of Roy Harper? <laughs> the last page of that is hilarious. Oh, Roy. Where he's given the option to save his daughter from another dimension because the one oh, right. in this is yeah, dead. The last page is crazy. The best page. <laughs> and then next to him is Starfire. And then on the, and on the other side is uh, Diana Donna Troy. Troy right? Donna Troy. Donna Troy, excuse me. And, uh, and he's kind of like, he's got his guns up. He's got like a shotgun coming out of his robot arm. And so it's like double barrel. And then he makes the choice. And the way they do it, they visualize it, is by one barrel going left and one barrel going right. <laughs> and then it shoots. Right. So to, to save what may or may not be his daughter, who has already previously been dead, he has to right. kill Starfire and Wonder Girl or Troy, however you want to call her. And Yeah. Uh, Jesus. This, this it's is the most ridiculous page. It's, and, like, and it also, that issue starts with a wonderful recap of Roy, Roy Harper's ridiculous life and career as a vigilante. Roy Harper, this is your life. Wow, it's fucked up. 
Here's the other thing we didn't mention that's, that's weird about the Titans issue. The superheroes, while they're under the dome for those 12 months, don't have their superpowers. Right. So that's that's why Superman is dressed up as, like, the vigilante or whatever. Right. Or, like, snake eyes. And uh, in this, like, Roy doesn't have superpowers, but he has a bionic arm. Right. And for those 12 months, his bionic arm doesn't work. That's weird. That's just science. So I don't understand, I don't understand don't work? the rules of that. Yeah, exactly. I mean that guy's smartphone shouldn't be working? If it If it augments your ability to fight crime or to... It's a very specific dome. To cause crime. Yeah, it's like it's more magic than science fiction then. Like it's more it's more like um like the no more mutants thing. Right. Than really, like any kind of science fiction. I'm really thing. torn here between wanting to see these old characters again and then not liking the anything that's happening to them. Yeah, I think you know a lot I mean? like I think you're like, oh cool, we get to see, you know, like some of them are are cool because the creative team and the characters involved like the Shazam story. That's that's right. like I think like the top on a lot of people's list for convergence right. that's the one that keeps coming up but then some of them are just like oh i mean it would be great to see you know uh dick and, and barbara again yeah it's nightwing and oracle but it gets lost in this i don't know it's it's pretty murky so weird well that's convergence paul you're going to be covering all these over uh, over where you are, is that what's happening? Yeah, uh, we did a whole episode on on these ten issues for. So this will be coming out. Um, this, it'll be out by the time this is out. So you'll be you'll hear me expressing a lot of the same thoughts. Yeah, I don't know that Josh is going to put up with this kind of discussion every week. Yeah, so like six yeah, weeks. So. Next week we're not doing a full episode on. We're just. I think we're just going to do a check in and say like, if you're going to read like two of these ten, grab these two. So that's. I think that's what our coverage is going to be because this is. Yeah. All right, so those are the books we wanted to talk about this week. Go to fanboy.com. You can find the post for this show. You can comment on these books. You can tell, give us your convergence rundown and tell us what you read, what you liked, what you didn't like, what, what you'll be continu- continuing to read going forward over there at ifanboy.com. And so now we have enough time, Paul, to check in with one email. All right. Rachel writes in, Rachel A, and says, I've been giving this topic some serious thought. Why is Superman so criticized as being overpowered? Clark Kent is a regular guy that has a low-paying job in a dying industry. He can never have kids with the woman he loves. Sure, he gets his strength from the yellow sun or from our solar system, but what about all the other systems that have red suns? Bruce Wayne, on the other hand, is a billionaire that really is seen at work. He has countless number of model girlfriends to call on. He is a tool for any and all situations. Somehow his special power is that he's a master planner and can pull a deus ex machina solution out of his bat butt. I think it's the villains that bring the fans to Batman and drive away from Superman. What are your thoughts? I think it's the villains that bring the fans to Batman and drive away from Superman. Like... I mean, that is, that's valid. I think Batman has the coolest rogues gallery, aside from the Flash. I don't think the Superman has a bad villains. I don't, I don't. I think Superman has really interesting villains, but you have to think outside of the box to make why them they're villains for him. Yeah. Um, and, and for them to, for, to do, like, because they're very simple. Like, you got, like, Lex Luthor and Toy Man... They're, they're very simple characters, whereas like Batman, I think I think there's a, a ton of different options for what you can do with like a Mister Freeze or a Joker, mm-hmm. and they're like they'll, they'll immediately you can rifle off a bunch of different kinds of stories. Like anybody could pitch like a, a great Batman story in terms of of his villains. With Superman, I think it's it's a it's a little trickier. Yeah, listen, I think there's no a lot of variables. No one's going to dispute that Batman is better villain than Superman. I just don't think Superman's villains are the problem. You know, I just 
why is Superman? Well, the, I mean, the thing that people cite is that he's overpowered. Right. So the which... question is, why is he criticized for being overpowered? Uh, I think the answer is because people don't tend to want aspirational entertainment anymore. Mm. They like, yeah. like, what is the current trend in, in all of television right now? It's all the tortured antihero. Right. There's very rarely a just a good guy girl main character. They're yeah, either. like I'm not uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I mean, I'm enjoying Daredevil right now, but I will admit that falls into that category of, you know, a sort of an anti-hero and 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 very much a tortured character. But it's one of the reasons that um The Flash on TV has been so refreshing. Right, that's one and I think that he's would, an aspirational hero. I'd point to Captain America in the movies as well as being one like that. But for the most part, if you you know every popular TV show or every zeitgeisty TV show is about some re- reprobate character, right? And and not to say Batman is one of those, but he is the more tortured and dark of of the two. Yeah. So people tend to gravitate towards that guy. Then I mean, it's always been that way. Like Han Solo is more popular than Luke Skywalker. Han Solo is more of the Batman and, and, and Luke's more the Superman in this scenario. Mm-hmm. You know, Wolverine's the most popular so it's, think, it's just, I think it's I th- human nature. So I think I think you're right that there there is a tonal thing like that that it's it's aspirational versus like an antihero or gritty story. But I think it's also like the scale of what kind of story you tell. Like mm-hmm. with a Superman story, like ev- like it's almost like every Superman story has to be like a final boss battle, right? Because just about the scale, like where he fights, like he fights up in the sky. Like you don't you can't do like a cool little intimate crime story, right? I mean, you can, but you have to be pretty creative about it. It's it's much easier to pitch something like that for Batman. Um, you can tell these smaller scale stories. You have, I think, there's there's much more range into in in what um, what Batman can do based on his limitations. Limitations um, are sort of like the kernel of great stories. Right. I think of Batman's limitations are overt. Yeah. When you're Whereas when you're forced into into a corner and like I can only do this this this, this and this, it forces you to think about the story in, in a much more complicated way than, you know, with a more operatic thing that you'd have to do with Superman. And the thing with Superman is his limitations and his weaknesses are not overt, so... The, and what they are are less conducive to exciting storytelling. Mm-hmm. Right? So what kind of storyline that's going to be based around his loneliness or ostracization is going to make for a compelling read? Mm-hmm. It's not as compelling as just a guy who has to punch people and is vulnerable to guns and knives and things. Like the storylines I always like for Superman, the best are the ones that delve into his uh, not psychological torment's the wrong word because he's not a tortured character, but that delve into the difficulties of being Superman. Yeah. Which is not necessarily that he can't punch his way out of a problem, it's that he he can't turn it off or he will outlive everybody he loves or you know, that that's what I that's what And those part. are more abstract. Those are Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, abs- it's an abstract with- problem. With yeah, with Superman, the concern isn't is he going to get hurt. It's he's like I have to save everybody. I have to protect people from getting hurt. Or I couldn't protect my dad. Or, or I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't protect my dad. With with Batman, he has to protect everybody, but also he you you know he could get seriously injured. He could get hurt too. And although we know in the back of our minds that Batman you know is going to make it out okay, um, with Superman, it's 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 harder to be like. Oh no! Is he going to get through this okay? Because you know he's he's a demigod. So. I think that what's interesting is that 
the, the never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way is often more interesting, not in a serialized format. The best Superman stories tend to be the, the one-offs, the also Superman stories like that, the ones that yeah. get to tell a, one story with a beginning, middle, and an end that, that examines who Superman is and doesn't go on forever. Um, although Jeff Johns did it, did it fantastically when he was writing action comics. So, you know. But even those are like their little chapters, you right. know, like his, his Legion of Superhero stories. Is one, that's one of my favorites that I, I point out to people. Um, and then he did the Brainiac stuff. But it's like, it's not like, and like, I like the beginning of um, like the whole new Krypton thing. I thought that was a really interesting idea. Um, but yeah, there aren't as many like longer Superman arcs that tell like a big, long story. Right. It's, it, it is those like great one shots. Exactly, or the Elseworlds ones when they or were. Or in Elseworld things, yeah. So it's tough. It's the, alter- it's the eternal dilemma, right? Why is Superman? <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because like I love Superman and I love great Superman stories, but I'm shocked when I find a good one. Like when when a new one comes. Like when like I, I saved Superman for the end of the Convergence read this week, we not worried? because I, not because I was savoring it, but just because like I'll just read that later. Like I just never grabbed it next, and finally that was the last one, and I picked. I was like, this is really good. Um. So I just like I get it. I get why people don't like Superman, but at the same time, like I I love Superman, and I there are sometimes where I can articulate the why, but there are other times where it's like, yep, it's just he's not for everybody. There you go. Thank you, Rachel. That was a great question. She wrote us a contact at ifanboy.com. You can also call over with my line at eight 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 fanboy three two six two six nine seven. If you do that, tell us where, who you are and where you're from. Keep it around thirty seconds. And also, people who email in should also tell us where they're from. We'd like to know where emails are coming in from. So let's plug some stuff, Paul. Plug your stuff. Okay. You can head over to panels.net. We've got new content uh, every, actually every day. We've put up stuff on Saturdays and Sundays too. So all kinds of coverage. We've, we did an open call recently. We've got – I've lost count of how many contributors we have. It's a lot. But that means we have a lot of different perspectives um, from all different kinds of walks of life. And that's the cool thing about panels. So uh, great coverage over there. Uh, I'm working on some stuff. I'm actually working on a review of the Pizza Dog action figure that just came out. <laughs> so I'm going to do a little photo shoot with him once the sun comes out, hopefully soon. In July? In, uh, give it a few days. Um, but anyway, not this weekend. Uh, but, but yeah, we do that. We do the O Comics podcast. Uh, that's me with, uh, uh, with Preethi Chibber and um, uh, Brian McNamara guested this week to talk about Convergence. We're going to be talking about the Daredevil show. Uh, and uh, what else? We're doing a New Frontier um, Book of the Month discussion. So look for that later this month. That's so that's a perfect what I'm up. segue to the yeah. Spotlight and Darwin Cook panel video. As we teased before, we had the iFanboy reunion last weekend at WonderCon. Where Josh and I got together with Ron. Funny, had not been in the same room together for three years up until the Saturday before. Uh, three three years, really? Yeah. Wow. It was really funny. Um, and so we went and we hosted the Darwin Cook Spotlight panel. We recorded that on video, which almost didn't happen up until the very last moment. Uh, so you can watch that video. It's, there's a post for it on iFanboy.com, but you can also go to YouTube.com slash iFanboy to our YouTube page. So it's there. It's the full 46 minutes of the, tr- of the uh, panel. And uh, Darwin is ex- exceptionally can- uh, candid in his response. This is to our questions. And he's always fun to interview. So you can check that out uh, over at iFanboy.com. Also... Paul mentioned they're talking about Daredevil over at panels, but we'll be talking about Daredevil here at some point, whenever <laughs> whenever Josh gets back and is able to watch 13 episodes of a TV show. So it could be 2017, <laughs> hopefully sooner than that. 
But uh, we'll be talking about Daredevil soon. And then in a couple of weeks, we'll be having the Avengers Age of Ultron podcast because that movie comes out in three weeks. So you can look forward to a Daredevil podcast and then the Avengers Age of Ultron podcast coming within the next month over here at iFanboy. It's going to be a fun time to talk about stuff. In the meantime, head over to iFanboy.com, comment on this show, talk about this week's books, find all of our podcasts that I just mentioned and other ones. I've been going through old uh, video shows because editing that show, I was looking at old stuff that we had done to see how we did it and... Got went down a rabbit hole of looking at some of our, I don't I don't recall any of those shows making them so it's it's funny to go well, what did we talk about for this and then uh, so you can find out all of that still available at ifanboy.com uh, follow us at facebook.com slash ifanboy and at, at ifanboy on twitter and individually at J.A. Flanagan at C.S. Kilpatrick and at Fuzzy Typewriter if you want to follow Paul Thank you. And, uh, and if you dig this show, please write a review in iTunes. Better yet, tell your friends about it. Introduce your mom to podcasts. Help spread the iFanboy and panels love. Appreciate it. Yeah, you can uh, please uh, write a review for panels. Write a review for any podcast you listen to. It always yeah. helps pe- uh, people find shows. And it's the, everyone who makes those shows really appreciates when you, when you take the few minutes to leave a review in iTunes. But sometimes it does feel like you're just shouting into a vacuum. And, <laughs> you know, so it's good to hear when, when, pe- when new people are finding the show and everything. So we do appreciate that. So that is it for this week's show. Thanks, Paul, for coming in. I know it was a scarier first iFanboy episode as it can be for people to sit in on the show. But you did a good, good job. Thanks for having me. <laughs> had a good time. Uh, you're doing a great job at panels. We're very proud of you. Thank you, man. And uh, so until next time, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. Mm-hmm.